0: evening. Welcome to The Porch. On Firefall Talk Radio, I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, not because they were perfect, but because of the passion and the purpose that they had. The Porch Online Bible Study was created so that we could take a deeper look into how they served the Lord Restore the priesthood of the believer. Regain that world-shaking influence the early church had. And we do that by delving deeper into Scripture. And we are finding the church the Lord intended and not the one man created. The man-made church is not going to get the job done. The church age is still in effect. day of Pentecost ongoing, the fire still falls Porches and outreach of Solomon's Porch Inc. on Solomonsporch.org. Or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can contact us there on Facebook or Twitter, social media, or however you feel led to reach out to us, we'll reach back. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site here for Firefall Talk Radio. Main address is Spreaker.com, forward slash user, forward slash Firefall Talk Radio. We appreciate your support and encouragement. If you do support us, thank you. If you are considering it, we could use it. Make sure you stay up to date. We are going to reboot Overwatch. Yeah, which segment? We're actually going to do what I've wanted to do for a long time. We've got some other people that are going to submit content. So we're going to work on that and get that going. And you'll know that we have posted something if you are subscribed. I was hoping to announce to you a target date for the release of the video for the C-Conference because the editing after laptop problems, after hard drive problems, was supposed to begin this week. Well, the laptop was fixed, but it appears that the overheating has done some damage to it and it does not have the juice or the ability to edit this video. The laptop locked up on me a couple of times We tried to do some end arounds. That's just not working. So, to meet the basic needs for film production, this laptop's not going to do it anymore. So, I am asking for prayer and praying for the funds for a new laptop, a new film production worthy laptop to get the job done. So, I'm asking you to believe with me for all the needs to be met, that everything we need to become available, and pray for the release of those provisions. I'm praising the Lord for it already. I believe it's coming, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to get the job done. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. That's not name it and claim it, but that's claiming faith in him, speaking to it in accordance with his will and his word. I praise him for my home. I praise him for this room and all the technology that I have that is working. I'm not going to focus on what's not I praise him for my wife of 39-plus years. Um, One of our supporters and close friends and and, uh, somebody that has become family, Peggy in Alabama, says there should be a warning label for becoming my friend because the enemy doesn't like my friends. Well, if you think the enemy doesn't like my friends, you ought to see how he feels about my family. So I praise him for my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, my grandson, of course my wife, as I mentioned, our furry kids. And I ask for you to pray for them, too. Um, I am blessed in all those things. I praise Him for His protection. That's Psalm 91 covering that we live under. He is our shield, our buckler unto Him. We are protected. I praise Him for the ministry that He lets me work. It's His ministry. It's not mine for the dreams and the visions. And everything He has shared with me over these um, 30 years that I've been saved, Praise Him for His healing virtue still being available to us, and just for the ability to praise Him. Sometimes you get weary, sometimes you get beat up and get down, and that's when you have to praise Him. That's when you have to raise your hands up, turn your head towards heaven, turn your eyes towards Him, and begin to praise Him for being a new creation for the cross, for His love, for living in these prophetic times, for the excitement that He's getting ready to come back. Praise Him for living in America. Yeah, it's got problems. And there's all these things that men and uh, women and politicians have done to it. But the fact is, God is still God. And that's who my trust is in. I'm believing he's getting ready to come back. I believe every promise he made is about to be fulfilled. So I praise him for that. Which means I must pray. I must pray for the Middle East. I must pray for Israel. I must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I must pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, for all of our brothers and sisters, I pray for you. Um, if you have been a part of me and my team or the porch or Firefall or SRT, I pray for you and your families every day, and some other people have asked me to do that as well. But I also pray for people I don't know. Our brothers and sisters are being slaughtered. They're being persecuted for their faith. They're losing everything except their faith. They're holding on to that, and they need our prayers. I, I pray I pray against the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb. I I pray against this anti-Semitism and religious persecution that can only come from Hasatan and the fallen. And even worse, the victims of sex trafficking and human trafficking. There's nothing more ugly and satanic than that. I pray for divine wholeness and continued health and healing that we get back to our divine design. It's good to be ready in mind and spirit and heart, but our bodies need to be ready too. There's stuff to do. So I'm praying that each and every one of us is healed from whatever we're dealing with right now. Praying for his protection, for the inspiration, for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If if you've got a talent or a calling, put away the fear, put away the doubts, just do it. If you need somebody to help, we'll find somebody to help. Just let's get the job done. And if you've been blessed, I know people that have been blessed beyond measure. I'm not sure what they're doing with those blessings. Maybe they're sowing it into other places. I don't know. But the porch, SRT, Firefall, we need some help. So we're praying for the open conduits of those blessings. And I'm also praying for everyone that came to the C Conference to hold on to your blessings, to hold on to your experience and what happened to you that day. Don't let the enemy or circumstances steal that from you. Praying for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando, continue to pray for her healing and for renewal in her body, for God to restore what needs to be restored in favor in an ongoing uh, lawsuit and matter that should have been settled. and, And I'm just praying that God do something miraculous there. Stacy in Texas slid in under the wire. She says Abba, "Thank you for everything you've given me for my family, and you, my beautiful kids. Please deliver my husband and my family. May they come to know you as I do. Protect my children. Please bless and protect my friend Kim and her family. Bless and protect the Porch family and SRT. May they be given the provisions required to p- complete the mission you have for them." Um. She has a y'all in here, so I'll say it. Y'all, please pray pray for me. I've been offered an amazing opportunity that would fill my need for a job temporarily. I'm struggling with it, though, because I had a different idea of how things would go. And while this is an answer to many years of prayers coming at a very hard time for me and my kids, I think this is an opportunity for my family uh, uh, as a chance for my family to heal after losing my dad said, I will still need a full-time job by mid-October, but please pray for me to see this through God's eyes and not my own. She also wrote me today, and I'm going to ask all of you that were at the C Conference that met Stacy to focus your prayers on her. The, the warfare and everything she's been going through is really intense, so she needs some aerial support. Kim in Fort Mitchell says, hope oh, Paul's well with you guys. It's bad over here. Both of her daughter London's bunnies passed away this week for no particular reason, and things have not slowed down since. She says, I celebrate three years of sobriety and praise the Lord for that. You know, she says that every week, and I am so thankful that she does. She does never drop the fact that she praises him for being sober. There's so many people out there that need to hear about your freedom and your testimony from whatever bondage you have. They don't need you to preach at them. They really don't even need you to quote scripture, though that helps to reinforce what they need to hear is what he's done for you. They're desperate for a testimony of the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is alive, that he sits at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power, and that power and that grace and that mercy sets the captives free. So thank you, for Kim, for sharing that. Um, says, I'm free, and I know who saved my soul. I finally started working my new job, and I like it. That's worth praising. Father, I'm asking you to provide for my children, and I show me how to get out of this financial situation. Praying for patience and clear vision on how to start fixing this. Father, protect us. The enemy is gearing up for sure. Please bless the porch families. Protect us in this storm of the enemy. Sustain us. Give us what we need to walk this walk. Provide and favor us. Father, flip every stone. Give us the courage and the understanding that we do not have to fight this fight alone. Deliver us. Help our children to make the right choices. Keep our bodies strong and healthy and heal us. Keep your angels closed. Help us to shine your everlasting light in Jesus' name. Well, Lord, there's nothing I said that you didn't already know. There's nothing that is being thought out there of people that are offering up their prayers to you and their praise to you that you don't already know. But we're gonna speak them out. We're gonna speak them out loud. We're gonna we're gonna let everything, you and the angels and the demons and everything in between know that we love you. That you are an awesome God, that you are our Abba Father. Papa God, Daddy, you are everything to us. We are not measuring you by our earthly fathers. Our earthly fathers should have been measured by you. We love you. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and caught up in our sin and you rescued us. We thank you, Lord, for saving us, for dying for us, for shedding every drop of blood, for enduring the pain and the shame and the cross and setting us free and reconciling us to the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for fulfilling the promise of Yeshua, of the Lord, for walking with us and guiding us and reminding us of him and his word and for encouraging us and rooting us on being alongside. We thank you, Lord, for everything, everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, and we long to see you face-to-face And know that the race has been won. It's over. And we can spend eternity with you. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still talking about apostasy, the falling away of the faith, the departure. A.W. Tozer wrote, so skilled is error at admitting truth that the two are constantly being mistaken for each other. It takes a sharp eye these days to know which brother is Cain and which is Abel. If you remember last week when we started this, I mentioned a quote from his book, Worship, which is sitting right here. I've not begun it yet. I need to, about the falling away of the church. And that he states that each generation sets the stage for its successor, for the one that's coming next. And, when an, an, an abhorrent false doctrine slips behind the walls of the church, it grows and begins to, to destroy it from the inside out like a cancer. And I was just talking with uh, Larry, fellow SRT member, before I came on, and we were talking about the causes of it. And the fact is, apostasy has been a problem for the church from day one. But the current apostasy that we're seeing now started with really the World War II-era parents who did not want to see their children struggle and wanted them to have better lives for them. And out of that came the baby boomer generation who broke away from traditions and old values, sex, drugs, rock and roll, free love, divorce, the breakup of, of the marital structure, take God out of the school, I mean, the whole bit. That baby boomer generation then had a generation of children They took another step away from the traditions and the values, questioning everything and finding all the wrong answers. And throughout history, historically, especially biblically, we're always three generations away, just like Israel after the death of Joshua. The church in Galatia drifted away in one generation. A generation is 30 years, by the way. And what happens in the midst of that, silence turns to apathy, and apathy inspires a new supposed revelation and direction away from the truth. But First Peter 4.17 says, The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The Lord warned us in Matthew 2411 11-14, that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. you got to endure. You're in a battle. Hunker down. Wait for reinforcements. We're sending in some aerial support. Just send me your coordinates. Come on. First Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly said, the Holy Spirit says that in the latter times, some will what? Will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You can flip the channels on TV. You can get the dog and pony show called Television Evangelism. And see where doctrines of demons have slipped into the church, and everybody who's sitting out there like baby birds with their mouth open in a nest saying, feed me, have no idea that what's being regurgitated into their beaks is corrupt, demonic, satanic, and they should want no part of it. And I wonder that even after feeding, after hearing this, they sit there glassy-eyed and enwrapped with these people that they've turned into superstars, and you, I, I just shake my head i don't get it how do you not see that that word tastes awful and that departing from the faith that word depart is rendered fall away refrain withdraw isn't it amazing since day 1 first of all uh, when when the lord said and this will be part of next week when the lord said you're going to have to you know eat my flesh and drink my blood uh, 120 went and said, "Whoop! Uh, I, I don't know about that. 70 are gone. People are wondering. that he has to look at the disciples and say, are you leaving too? Falling away has been around a long time. Departing from the faith is nothing new. Every book of the Bible except for Philemon warns against it. Look at First Timothy 6, 3-10. If anyone teaches otherwise, do not consent and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knows nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy and strife and reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such, withdraw yourself. Depart from these people before they drop a house on you. No, that's different. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, and is speaking about false teachers, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And while that I can have sympathy, the fact is apostasy is a deliberate act. It is a deliberate falling away from a previous position, a departure from the truth of God. For some, as mentioned, it's for financial gain. For others, it's rebellion, but its inspiration is always satanic. And I want to take you to the first falling away, the first great fall Genesis 3. Now the serpent was shrewdest of all the wild animals of the lord that the lord god had made and one day he asked the woman did god really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden it starts with a misquote of god and she says well of course we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden the woman replied it is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat God said you must not eat it or even touch it. Messed up. He never said that. If you do, you will die. So what we have here is two. One is a lie. One is a misapplication of a truth. And the serpent comes in for the kill. In verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. In Verse 6. Here's the hook. The hook has gone into the fish's mouth the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You know, Satan did not come in and confront Adam and Eve with force. He didn't come in with the big show and the smoke and the mirrors and the lightning and the thunder. He didn't do anything to them but plant an idea in their head. All it took was a false thought that in its intention and actions condemned them and the rest of humanity, resulting in the only remedy being the sacrificial death, suffering blood-letting of God's only Son. One lie, with one lie, he set into motion the first falling away, the first departing from the truth, the fall. But the phrase falling away, the one we're talking about, apostasia in the Greek, the apostasy, it is a very specific, definitive event, a standing away from uh, apostasy, apostasia, is a defection or a revolt. It's a formal disaffiliation from abandonment of a renunciation of a religion by a person. It's defined within its broader context of embracing an opinion that is contrary to your previous beliefs, and one who does that is called an apostate. It is it is the opposite of conversion. It's deconversion. Remember I say that. We're going to pick that back up. And I shared with you the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, which you can find online in a PDF form. I'm not sure it's in print anymore. It states that there are four distinct images in Scripture of the concept of apostasy, an intentional intentional defection from the faith. Those four images are rebellion, backsliding or turning away, falling away, and adultery. Adultery. I mean, think about it. If you come into a covenant relationship with the Lord, you become supposedly born again and saved, and then you turn your back on him, walk away from that relationship and begin a relationship with another religious belief. That's adultery. You have broken your vows. You have defected from the truth. You have abandoned him in a breach of faith and of trust in a rebellious act. In the first century world, apostasy meant a political revolt or defection, but in our case, it still applies. Apostasy is and always was a real and present danger in the body of Messiah. From day one, with within, within decades of the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of the Lord, the enemy slipped in. And just like in the garden with the thought here, a little nudge there, a little question in somebody's mind that they allowed their brain to linger on too long. Peter warns about it in Second Peter. There are also false prophets, just as there were also false prophets in Israel. There will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies, even deny the master who brought them, meaning Yeshua the Lord. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. And many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. And their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago. And their destruction will not be delayed. In order for them to satisfy their own lust, they're going to fabricate counterfeit doctrines, false theories, even fake miracles to deceive people. But here's the other side of that equation. I know a lot of people that have been burned by that, burned by supporting people that turned out to be false. And what they do is in their anger and in their resentment and and everything that happened to them, they stop supporting anybody. And guess what? The devil wins again. In Jude chapter 1, starting verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning Our common salvation, I find it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. They have crept in stealthily, gaining entrance secretly by a side door. That's what that word crept means. It's, It's the only time it's ever used. It really takes you back to the garden, does it not? Gives you the idea of a slithering snake. And those men are doomed. The people that teach that are Doomed ungodly men have used the grace and the mercy of God to cover their sins of lasciviousness, hiding in religion to commit horrible sexual provisions. We read about them. We hear about them. And I'm amazed when we hear these big name preachers and teachers who get exposed for using their position for financial and sexual gain. And and people say, well, I was I was fooled. I was manipulated. And my wife will tell you, we watch these shows on TV, and and I sit there and go, all you had to do was open a Bible, and you'd find out what they were doing was wrong. So Jude's saying we must contend earnestly. We must, in strife and combat, be vigorous in our determination to stand against this. It is a struggle. It is continuous. Our faith is under attack. And nothing but vigorous counter-intervention and contention is sufficient to the cause. That's what SRT was born out of. That's what Firefall was born out of. That's what the porch was born out of. Enough is enough. And what's really crazy is Jude is written before 70 A.D., somewhere between 60 and 64 A.D. Within two generations, the church is under attack And the virus of apostasy has corrupted it. All it takes is a little bit of code in a computer to get into your operating system. And if you don't catch it, it will replicate itself into where the entire system is corrupted. And it's the same way with the church. If the Holy Spirit isn't screaming in your ear, that is false. Do not accept that. Do not listen to that. If you're going to follow after people because there are crowds and they have... Uh, TV shows or they have big podcasts and they have events where 10,000 people show up. I've been at those events and I've been with the people that man those stages. And on August 21st of 2019, I would cross the street to talk to them or hear what they had to say. But while Second Peter and Jude run parallel to each other... Peter warns in a future tense that it's coming. June, saying, hey, it's here. Certain people have crept in. They've slipped in a side door. If you don't know who Jude is, he's Yeshua's half-brother, leader of the early church. And he's giving them outlines. He's giving them warnings. He's telling them how to spot apostasy before the body gets infected contend earnestly. That's a compound verb, verb to struggle, to agonize. I'm not saying be ugly. I'm not saying be hurtful. But if you're sitting in the nest, if you're still after all these years of the porch still sitting in the nest with your mouth open, your your Bibles aren't open, you're not checking what I'm saying to see if it lines up with the word, and then you're not writing me to say, hey, you said this, I don't understand it, can you explain it? If you're just accepting it, accepting it carte blanche because I'm saying it, then I have failed. That's not what this is about. Each one of us needs to be conscious of the fact that, That if it doesn't line up with the word, it must be rejected. I don't care how dramatic the experiences are. I don't care how good the speakers are. If it doesn't line up with scripture, let it go. That's what Jude's telling the believers. He's encouraging them and not just church leaders. This is something that all believers must be able to do. To recognize and prevent apostasy in their midst, I mean these guys were so bad that they were even denying the lordship of Yeshua. Well, you know he was a great prophet; he didn't come to be a, a sacrifice. You know that just kind of happened. Ah, eh, wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. Might be a Bible in that box. And and again, that the Greek term for that word crept which I said is like slithering in, coming through a side door. It's actually used about a cunning, crafting lawyer who through clever argument infiltrates the mind of the courtroom officials and the jury and corrupts their way of thinking. Well, who does that sound like? That's Hasatan at his best. A word here slips it in sideways, changes a meaning, Flips things around. Instead of giving you an answer, he gives you a question. Did he really say that? At some point in that Adam and Eve encounter, and I I will ask Adam when I get there. Why did you not tell the snake to shut up, get away from your wife, and why did you bite the apple? Not the apple, the fruit. Why did you bite the forbidden fruit? Why? Why did you do it? She was the one that agreed to it, and I've read all the various beliefs of why, but I want to hear from Adam. Why? Had you not done that, just think of the world we would have had. Go to Jude chapter 1, verse 17. You know, I used to start every night saying, you know, get out your Bibles and open them up. And then I added, well, maybe you do it digitally. Maybe you do it from there. And Larry and I were talking about that a little while ago. And he made the comment, you don't see many Bibles in church anymore. And he said, I know people do it on their pads or their phones or whatever. How do you take notes? How do you highlight? And I said, well, you can do that. What happens if there's no power? What happens if the grid goes down? What happens if the whole EMP thing happens and there is no power for an extended length of time? Folks, you need a Bible in your hands. You need to be able to open that Bible, write in it, keep notes. The Bible I took with me to to Kansas and the one that goes with me is taped together on the end because the binding has come apart. It's got that Gorilla tape holding it together. And I've got other Bibles, but that's my go-to Bible. That's the one that I have perspired into and and cried into and and gotten revelations from. And yes, it's just the pages and the Holy Spirit does it, but I I can reach for it. I can reach for a book right in the room. I'm right now within reach. I might have to get up to go do it or one, two, three, four other different translations and Bibles. Power goes down. I'm good. Jude 1, starting verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, that means praying in tongues. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Paul says in Galatians two four, and this occurred because false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Messiah Yeshua, that they might bring us into bondage. But go back to Luke. Go back to the red letters that we talked about. And what you will see are indications that even the Lord knew that this would happen. Well, of course he did. He knows how Satan got a third of the angels to fall. He knows that through lies and the sound of his voice, maybe even the timber, maybe even the vibrational power of his voice, he planted a thought, twisted a word, and he got Adam and Eve to do what he did. He got kings to fall. He destroyed nations and never once got his hands dirty. Luke 8. Verse 4, And when a great multitude had gathered, they came, had come to him from every city, and he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because of lack, it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and yet the thorns sprung up and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he said these things, he cried, He was ears to hear, let him hear. So the, the disciples came to him and said, uh, We don't understand what you said. Can you explain it? So we get down to verse 11. He said, The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil come and t- comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear it, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while in a time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, Kept it and bear fruit with patience. So the Lord warned about it. And you know what's interesting when you look at that parable about the word as a seed? We are obligated to cultivate that seed. We are obligated. The Lord warned us about it. Don't fall fall away, but be rooted and grounded in the faith. In Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Messiah Yeshua, the Lord, Adonai, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Hebrews 3.6 But Messiah, a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Remember that, the rejoicing of the hope. Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, brethren, lest any of you, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, falling away. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Messiah if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, holding on to the hope. The hope of what? The hope of seeing him again the hope of his coming, the hope of the rapture of the church. I know that's controversial, and I've seen some people get really angry about arguing there is no rapture, and my response to that is, fine, you stay when he comes and gets the rest of the church, because I believe he's only taking those that are looking to go. The rapture of the church, Paul teaches about it. It's in there. There's biblical examples of it. But if you look at what we're talking about, 2 Corinthians, Hebrews, Colossians, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Galatia, the church in Ephesus, what is the constant warning? Constant warning is about false teaching and false teachers and the presence of apostates in the church. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 12, But I will continue doing what I've always done this will undercoat those, undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Messiah. But I'm not surprised. Even Hastatani, even Satan, disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve so don't look for apostates to appear bad on the the outside they don't they don't wear a name tag or a t-shirt that says apostate with an arrow pointing upward towards them you may not even know that's what they are they may have dramatic words that you don't notice are heresy and outside of the teaching of the Bible. They don't deny the truth outright, they twist it for their own agenda. And in actuality, show the worst form of wickedness by perverting the truth. Now, if you remember, one of the first things I've taught here and, and mentioned in the supernatural battle is that for a counterfeit to work, it must appear as or have a semblance of the real, of the thing it's counterfeiting. And in that section of Jude, he gave us 18 unflattering traits of apostates so that his readers could identify them. Apostates are ungodly. They're morally perverted. They deny Messiah. They're ones who defile the flesh, which means they are uh, lascivious, sensuals. They do things that they shouldn't be doing. They're rebellious. They're people who revile angels, who are ignorant about God. They proclaim false visions. They're self-destructive. They're grumblers. They're false finders. They're self-satisfying. They're people who use arrogant words and false flattery. They're mockers of God in their choices and in what they do. They cause division. They're worldly-minded. And finally, and not surprisingly, they're devoid of the Spirit and more than likely unsaved. How did this happen? I I mean, I can see the church then. They were circulating letters. All they had were the Torah and the letters. So you might say they didn't have enough information. We've got more than enough information. We've got too much information, and people still are easily deceived. Well, the answer's in Titus, of all places. Titus 1, verses 15 and 16. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable, disobedient, and worthless for doing anything good. The sign of an apostate is that he eventually falls away and departs from the truth of God's word and his righteousness. And if the seed of rebellion is there, apostasy will grow. 1 John warns about it. And then he brings up the term of the one person who is behind it all. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. For this we know, that the last hour has come, These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Yeshua is not the Messiah anyone not anyone who denies that the father anyone who denies the father and the son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the father the son doesn't have the father either but anyone who acknowledges the son has the father also so you must remain faithful to what we have taught you what you've been taught from the beginning if you do you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Underline, if you highlighted that word fellowship. See, that's what this is. This isn't about religion. It's about a relationship. And when you're in a relationship with somebody, you're not going to listen to what somebody else says about them. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised. I am writing these things to you to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. He's not saying you don't need to be taught. But what he's saying, the Holy Spirit inside of you will confirm truth. So nobody has to tell you it's true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Messiah. So if every New Testament book, except for Philemon, contains a constant warning of false teachings, false teachers, and apostasy, why is that? Well, you think maybe it has something to do because it's dangerous and it's a serious threat? Because ideas like Satan's in the garden have consequences, right thinking, and fruit And its fruit produces goodness where error and wrong thinking brings punishment. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody nobody wants to talk about that there is a price, there is a consequence for our actions. The Lord did. Matthew 15, verse 12. Yeshua had said something that offended the Pharisees, and the disciples came to him, and I don't even know why they did this. Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Of course, if I would have been one of the other disciples, I'd have looked into whoever said that. And your point is, but they didn't have New York disciples. And Yeshua replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one person, if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. And Peter said to Yeshua, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. That's what this is based on. And Lord, don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through the stomach. Out the body and into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed unwashed hands never defile you. Pure and simple. Satan, Hasatan, the adversary is the father of lies and the inspiration of all rebellion. Apostasy is his weapon against the church. And it's a weapon against the church that is weak in the word and lacking the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, we spent all that time talking about the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the fruit. If the Spirit is in you and somebody speaks a lie to you, all the bells and whistles will go off. You may not be able to contend with them because their lies, their bad knowledge may be more than your great knowledge, but you'll know it's not true. That's the key. Now, the other thing about apostasy, Larry and I were talking about this that nobody wants to hear somebody who falls away cannot be renewed again to repentance. Once they sever ties with the Lord, they're not coming back. Hebrews 6, six says that, but let's start with verse 4 of Hebrews 6. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good tidings of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God, it is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessings. But if the field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Look what it said in six eight. It is rejected and near to being cursed. It's useless whose end is burned. That word useless, that word worthless, that word rejected in the Greek means reprobate. It means tested, rejected, disapproved, beyond redemption, can't be used. If that doesn't scare some people, it should. Romans 128 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. Of a reprobate mind means God cannot approve them. They have been rejected. Once he labels someone reprobate, there's nothing that can restore them. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but in their works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. False teachers disqualify themselves, and anyone who believes their teaching and follows them disqualifies them. Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, For it has never yet been known to fail that one fool, when he goes astray, takes several others with him. We talked about it last week. The false teachers in Thessalonica were deliberately misleading new believers by any and all means possible, even forging letters from Paul. And the danger of it wasn't just the false teachings. The danger of it is what took place in 1 Thessalonians 3, where people had quit working. They'd quit preaching the gospel. They'd quit doing anything because they believed the second coming was imminent. The Matthew Henry concise Bible com- commentary says this about that. The servant who waits for the coming of his Lord must be working as his Lord has commanded. If we are idle, the devil in a corrupt heart will soon find us something to do. The mind of man is a busy thing. If it is not employed in doing good, it will be doing evil. It is an excellent but rare union to be active in your own business, yet quiet as to other people's, meaning they became busybodies. They started getting into everybody's business. If any refused to labor with quietness, they were to note him with censure and to separate from his company, yet they were to seek his good by loving admonitions. The Lord is with you while you are with him. Hold on your way and hold on to the end. We must never give over or tire in our work. It'll be time enough to rest when we come to heaven. We have a job to do. I don't get it. I don't get people that don't get it. We were told to go make disciples of all nations. I break it down real simple to get people saved, healed, and delivered. That has been the core of my teaching for 30 years. Get people saved, healed, and delivered. Why? Because in doing so, you will make them disciples of Messiah. You will walk with them. Hopefully, you'll want to have... uh, Bible studies with them, break bread together, encourage them, be there for them when they fall. Right now we do it electronically through this and social media, whatever. But I am believing by faith that the provisions are coming for the porch, for SRT, for Firefall to have its own RV to have its own rig and the travel from town to town. And what we did with the Sea Conference, do it everywhere. Begin to hold Bible studies. Begin to take the fire of the, of the Holy Spirit. Begin to confront the powers of darkness in an area. Take authority over that area. Plant the flag of freedom in the name of Messiah and set the captives free. Destroy the work of the enemy. And the only way we're going to do that is through effort, through prayer, through provision, through persecution if need be. But all of this was setting up the apostasy. Refer back to last week's teaching. I don't want to go over too much of that because I'll run out of time. But the fact is we should understand that there was a pattern of events. The falling away of the faith. The removal of the true church. Which means anyone who doesn't fit is going to be sifted out, or they've already wandered away, the wind has blown them. And then, after those two things happen, the man of sin, the Antichrist is revealed to capitalize on the first two things. But that day will not come without the falling away, without the apostasy, which is growing. And that rapture, that snatching away, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Messiah, Yeshua. That's the blessed hope. Our hope is not in here. Our hope is not in denominations. Our hope is not in churches. Our hope is not in some yahoo standing up on a stage behind a microphone with a slide projector going. While that may be good information, inspirational information. They don't get you saved. They didn't die for you. They didn't shed a drop of blood. That's our hope. Our hope is in the Lord. It's a blessed hope, and we should be looking for it. That's the balance. The balance is people are going to fall away. It's going to happen. The Antichrist is at work. He is inspiring Inspiring rebellion and apostasy. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words because I've been passionate about this. I'm, this has been rolling around in me for a while. And then the Lord last week said, teach it, take the events of that author and that singer saying what they said, doing what they've done and point to it and use it as an example that the defection from the truth is happening. And the man of sin is going to lead the rebellion against God. He's going to perform signs and wonders. He's going to do things to be worshipped as God. And he can't have spirit-filled people that know the word who can spot him here. So he's got to wait until they're snatched out. And then the people that he's going to fool are people that have deliberately let go of the anchor. They have deliberately slipped the anchor and have no intention of coming back for it. And that's what we're seeing. People who professed to be believers falling away. Not departing from an organized body, but from the truth. Abandoning their first love, their first confession of faith. And the judgment that begins at the house of the Lord will shake things up and shake them out. Because I don't believe they're going to get snatched out of harm's way. We are not designed for wrath. We will not see the time of Jacob's trouble. That's for the Jews and those who have rejected Hamashiach. They've rejected Messiah. And people will fall away for this one reason. They don't love the truth, and they don't love the spirit of truth, and they don't love the person that is the word. And they have nothing to hold on to. And they begin to drift away. And the next thing you know, they're caught in the current, they're caught in the tide of a false teaching of an opinion within the body, whatever it might be. And they follow that current towards their own destruction. Father, I just come to you now as your son. I come to you as your servant. I come to you as the messenger of this word. And I pray for our brothers and sisters that if there are any out there that we know of that are on the verge of slipping their ankle, that you send us to them, that we help not it back up. We help them to hold on in the storm and the onslaught of the lives of Hasidon and the fallen that we begin to intercede for them and stand with them, and we stand together for the truth. And you are the truth. So Holy Spirit, invade us, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and show us any teaching or word or something we've accepted that is not of you so that we can stand and be rooted and grounded in Yeshua, the Messiah. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been a porch on Firefall Talk Radio.